I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. I'm Steve Zotke, along with Mayor Mitch yes, in sir. the studio. In the hizzy. Jeff Orlowski is on assignment, as they yeah, say. Yeah, where, where is he this weekend? He's up north. Okay. little Door County action? A little Door County. and uh, Man, that guy. He must be from Illinois, because he spends more time up in uh, Door County Door, than yeah, here, Yeah, in Wisconsin. You bet. Yeah. You hit it right on the head. But we will actually hear from Jeff Orlowski in the second hour. Okay. As we will review the Watkins Glen race and some other stuff in the world of NASCAR. In fact, we got a full show today. A lot of stuff happening. Uh, in just a few minutes, we will be talking to John Close. Author, longtime PR guy, NASCAR spotter, you name it, he has done it in the world of auto racing. He was up here a couple weeks ago for the Slinger Nationals, visiting with friends. And we'll be talking to him about what's going on in the world of NASCAR and the Brian France saga. So looking forward to chatting with him. Then we'll also have Lori Monroe. Uh, we'll be ch- uh, hearing from her and get her get all the latest news in the world of NASCAR. Plus, towards the end of the first hour, we'll be talking to Jim Harris. And who's Jim Harris? Well, some of the listeners will remember him from last year. He's a sprint car historian. He has seen, I think, every Knoxville Nationals sprint car race, which is the biggest sprint car race in the world since 1961. I think he has seen every single one except for maybe one or two. And uh, Jim is just one of the foremost authorities in the world of sprint cars, whether it's World of Outlaws, USAC, uh, you know, Pennsylvania Posse, down south, you name it. He knows everything about sprint cars. We'll be, we'll be chatting uh, with him because the five-hour five Knoxville Nationals are occurring right now this weekend. They started up earlier in the week, and they culminate tonight with the Knoxville Nationals, which I will be making a pro- pilgrimage to my buddy's house in Hammond, Indiana, where it's been a tradition the last couple of years to watch it on pay-per-view TV. Hour two. We keep going. We got Robbie Gordon will be joining us, former IndyCar NASCAR driver and now head of the Super Stadium Super Truck Series. They'll be up at Road America in two weeks, and uh, they are in an exciting, exciting series, off-road trucks on the road course. 
what? Yes, it actually it, it actually happens. It they put jumps on the track. It's incredible. It's one of these things you can watch it on YouTube, and I'll be giving you, you a link to that. In or if you want to just go uh, Google up Stadium Super Trucks on uh, Google and hit video. It's very it's awesome stuff. A lot of it, but it's even better in person. So if you get a chance, make sure you get up to uh, Road America and see not only the NASCAR series up there and the Trans Am series, but Robbie Gordon's uh, Stadium Super Truck series. A lot of fun. We'll be also talking to Mike Lashmet of Vintage Racing Industry, in Vintage Racing Registry, in the second hour. That's a neat organization. They're putting on an event in Gateway, also in two weeks, Gateway in St. Louis for the IndyCar race, which has uh, very quietly uh, become probably the third biggest race on the schedule behind, of course, the Indianapolis 500 and Long Beach. Uh, last year, they had 35,000 people for an oval race which is extraordinary. This year, they're expecting even more people. There is a very, very exciting things happening in Gateway, and we'll, we'll be talking to Mike Lashman about that and the Vintage uh, Racing uh, Registry and uh, everything that goes along with that. So looking forward to that. And then, like I said before, we'll be talking with Jeff Orlowski uh, about the Watkins Glen race. Uh, Chase Elliott gets his first win. Lots of stuff going on there. And then we'll also be uh, hearing from Chase Elliott uh, from some st- – uh, taped interviews from earlier in the week on NAS from uh, our friends at NASCAR. So should be a full show, and uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and uh, we'll be talking to John Close when we come back on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. We'll make sure to check us out in three weeks. Jeff and I will be down at Great Lakes Dragway for their Labor Day extravaganza. We'll talk more about that later in the show. Also, uh, should be fun. We'll be doing a remote there, broadcasting live from Great Lakes Dragway. Should be a lot of fun. And also, like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out davidhobbs.com for all the latest in new and used cars. All this fun and interesting stuff. Great deals at David Hobbs Honda. Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure to check out greatlakesdragway.com for all the latest. Get out there this weekend, especially beautiful weather up here in Wisconsin. Uh, lots of drag racing going on. And, of course, check Jeff and I out there. Labor Day weekend on Saturday we'll be broadcasting live at Great Lakes Dragway. Looking forward to that, and we'll have more details later in the show. i also like to thank David Hobbs Honda. For supporting the show, make sure to check out davidhobbs.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Mr. Mister Wiscani, John Close. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, bud. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, you know, I'm sorry I missed you earlier when you were you were actually up here uh, for the Slinger Nationals and doing your yearly uh, summer swing through Wisconsin. But uh, next time, we'll definitely have to hook up. Yeah, it was unfortunate that we couldn't do that. You know, I I really do enjoy your company, and we have a good time. And 
And uh, the Slinger Nationals are just such an awesome event. I got to tell you, I'm also extremely jealous of you of being able to go to Great Lakes on Labor Day weekend. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Chicago, my dad was a Dodge rep, and one of his dealerships was Grand Spalding Dodge, Mr. Norm. Yep. So, so we used to go to Great Lakes and US 30 with uh, Mr. Norm's funny car. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, oh, man, it was, it was so awesome. So, you know, there's, there's just so many places up there, whether it's Great Lakes or Slinger. or I also got to go to uh, MIS, to Madison. A lot of people, re- I remember it, of course, as Capital while I was up there. And, uh, you know, they just had a great event the other night at WIR, the Dixieland 250. I mean, if you live up there, that's just racing heaven. I'm, I'm jealous. Well, I never moved away. You know, you know, people are always saying we need promoters. We we were looking for people for that next generation, and uh, I've been tooting his horn a little bit, and got to meet him out in Knoxville for the Knoxville uh, induction ceremonies. And I, lo and behold, I was actually sitting next to him at, at the at the dinner. Uh, Greg McCarns, and he is quietly really doing some excellent things up here for local short track racing. And not only that, but some of the stuff he's doing up in Madison with having this, uh, a, a variety of uh, of uh, sanctioning bodies and racing up there. I was up there for the USAC Silver Crown show and the Big Eight Late Models, and both put on a fantastic show. And and well, yeah, what what Greg's doing is is he's he's definitely uh, doing it right and uh, putting on yeah. a good show and keeping it moving. I think you know so many times we hear these horror stories of oh yeah I got the, I got at the track at you know seven thirty I thought they were going to be late and they're still packing the track or they're still doing doing mm-hmm. you know doing this and that and and. All, it seems one thing that's in common is Greg's shows are really, really nice and tight, and they, they you know, they, they finish at a decent hour because, you know, uh, uh, promoters, there's an old adage in promotion, you know, you, you can take the wife to, or you can, you can take the wife to a race, but she's the one that's going to decide if you're coming back. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know well, so. Well, it, Greg's doing. Greg's doing an amazing job. You know, he comes from amazing stock. Mm-hmm. You know, his parents, John and Suma Carnes, were Artco. Yep. And, uh, you know, I've known Greg since he was a little kid. I grew up in Libertyville, and that's where the McCarnes lived. And, uh, you know, so I always got along great with his folks. And I, I, I did see Greg at uh, Slinger. Um, you know, the night I was at Madison, he was working, and we just didn't bump into each other there. But uh, I tell him all the time how proud of him I am. Uh, I know how proud his parents would be. Um, you're right. He's doing an absolutely fantastic job. And more importantly, he's doing it the right way. You know, um, he he really is. He and, and everybody associated with his group, they're really doing it the right way. They're making it a great experience for the fans, for the wife, for the missus, for the kids, you know. And, uh, you know, th- it's a real testament to him and and that's a hard business i mean that business eats people up i don't think people understand how difficult it is to be a race promoter uh and and he's certainly doing it right so i'm i'm really glad that you got to uh to meet him because he is uh extremely impressive and he's doing a a fantastic uh, job up there he certainly is and um i saw him on facebook monday evening and uh I just got to read it. This is just fantastic. And But there's a bigger subject I want to get into, though. Uh, sure. And this is written by you, John. 
And uh, it, 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 you, you wrote, hard to fathom that the first 15 minutes of NASCAR Race Hub tonight consisted of race cap, recap, and analysis of Sunday's Watkins Glen Cup race before it dedicated exactly one minute to the arrest of NASCAR CEO President Brian France. By burying the lead, there will be no bigger story in sport this year than to follow the top individual in NASCAR and then minimizing it. Any credibility the show ever has had as a viable news program was totally destroyed. Hashtag uh, house music. And I, I think this we're kind of in an interesting and possibly dangerous time, in, especially in, for sports media, where you have the, the baseball, the NFL, and to a lesser degree, NASCAR has their own media that's generating their they they are deciding what is the story, so to speak. And you, you and I are both in the media, and we we get these emails from sanctioning bodies. Uh, you know, hey, let's you know, here's some story leads. Here's some interest. You know, you can talk about this or that. And it, it's it, we've come a long way from when you and I used to wait on Thursday to get the, either the Midwest Racing News or National Speed Sport News, and especially National, National Speed Sport News, and look at Chris Economaki's column to find out what's really going on you know, in the world of racing. And we've, we've fallen away from that. And are we kind of in a dangerous time when it, when it comes to media and auto racing? Well, you know, realistically, uh, Steve, I think that's societal. Um, uh, about 75% of the stuff that you see on the news these days, and that's not my number, that's a that's an estimate from a, a, a credible source, uh, is public relations generated. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, programs like NASCAR America or NASCAR Race Hub, um, those programs do function independently, but they, they so totally toe the line um, that they they really blur what's news, and they and, and you know I get it. Chase Elliott winning his first race, NASCAR Legacy Hall of Fame, you know, father, um, multiple times finished. You know, I think he had eight second place finishes before he finally got a win. That's a giant story, but um, that should not take precedence over the wide ranging news story of the president and CEO of NASCAR getting busted uh, for, you know, DWI, DUI, wherever you are, uh, plus possession of a, a controlled substance. I mean, that that is akin to, uh, you know, Roger Goodell or Mike Manfred in baseball, uh, um, you know, being pulled over. And that's, that's just giant news. And I think um, – to go back to your point, yeah, it is kind of dangerous when um, you start playing house music instead of covering the news. I mean, at, at what point do you say to yourself, hey, listen, you know, we've, we've got to step up and, and cover this because I guarantee you there's no bigger story in NASCAR this year than Brian France getting uh, busted last weekend. Uh, not ju- Not just because it's sensational or – you know, salacious news, but the, the consequences, the ramifications of that are so far uh, and wide ranging, um, not only for this year, but for years to come. Um, this this is not a good thing for the sport. And to ignore that, to bury that, uh, and to just give it a cursory bow uh, for a minute 
and uh, just basically read his statement that, hey, I'm going to step away voluntarily for a while, and NASCAR's statement that, you know, Jim France is going to take over. They didn't spend a minute on that, and then they moved on. And I, um, as as a news person, and and I know this is you chafe on this too, um, you know that's difficult. I, I think you just really have to sometimes, um, you know, stand up and take your medicine. You know that that's a bad thing that happened, and you got to report it and and then move on from it. But you don't bury it like they did. I th- I thought that was very dangerous. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's become frustrating, especially those of us who see, you know have seen both sides of it, and and you see some of these, uh, and it's not only NASCAR, but it's other other sanctioning bodies too. But especially, I think there's a, a certain there's I think two people too that just push it. To stop telling me what I'm watching is exciting or this is good or I, I you know this is why you you need to watch it. You know, stop preaching. And just tell me what's happening. Tell you know it. Explain what's happening. Why is it happening? Don't just keep saying, "Oh, this is just great. Look at this. Oh, I'm so. Oh, you know this that. You know." And uh, you know it's frustrating to hear this over and over again. You know, and and I hear this from from fans too. They're like, "Oh, he's just you know, leave it alone. Stop. You know, it's it's like that kid in school trying to ask the girl out, and he's trying too hard." And I, I get that feeling when when I watch some of these shows. Stop, stop doing. It. I'm I'm watching. If you want me to continue watching, I'm I'm here for the news. I want to know what's happening down in Charlotte. What's happening in the garages? What? Don't keep telling me this. You know, I it, it's it's just very frustrating, isn't it? Well, you know, um, I got a, a really good education in partying at UW Oshkosh, but I also got a great. <laughs> I also got a great education in journalism. And back in the day when I was in school, um, you did, you, you know, you were an impartial observer of mm-hmm. the event and you, you, you wrote the description of the event and then that allowed the reader to form their own opinion. And if you did want to editorialize, you did just that. You wrote an op-ed, which was a completely different kind of, uh, story and it just seems like everything these days um, is op-ed and uh, I, I get it. You know the the announcers on the broadcast. You know they they want to try and make it as exciting as they possibly can. But um, like you, you know sometimes it's just guys. Listen, you know let the race be the story. Forget your production meetings where you've identified all these stories that you want to tell during the race. Just let the race be the story. Let the race play out. Let the fans enjoy the race. Um, I know uh, when I finally did, you know, I did a lot of PR work. I'm, I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my face here. You know, I, I did a lot of PR work over the years, and it's it's really kind of funny. I, I was, when I first did it, and a really good friend of mine said, well, welcome to the dark side, <laughs> you know, because on the media side, you just reported the facts then. And on the, the PR side, you know, you massaged them. Um, and, and, you know, in situations like this, uh, everybody went into crisis management, no doubt. Sure. I mean, this is giant. Um, you know, just think about this, Steve, every company that, is associated with NASCAR and every, every company that is thinking 
about being associated with NASCAR. And Monday morning had a meeting as to how they were going to continue or pursue that association. You know, NASCAR is a sponsor-driven exercise, and it's kind of like in the movie The Right Stuff, no bucks, no buck Rogers. And, um, you know, considering that NASCAR has lost some popularity, that it has contracted, um, when when you grab widespread public attention like this did, I mean, this was on regular news in all the major news outlets, you want that to be a positive thing. You don't want it that your CEO, you know, just got busted for, for being DUI'd. And uh, so, you know, the, that's just one way that, you know, this story is going to negatively impact NASCAR moving forward. Um, you know, there's other parts, you know, supposedly the deal's on the block, you know, they're trying to sell it. Well, you know, I don't know what the fine is going to be, you know, maybe $2,500, $5,000, whatever it is. He won't get jail, obviously, you know, but um, that I believe that, you know, that little incident cost millions of dollars in terms of uh, the sale of NASCAR if and when that ever happens because, you know, it just devalued the property. Um, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate, but you know, that, that's, those are the ramifications of these kind of actions. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's bad for the sport. Um, there's no doubt about that. And, and when, when they try to cover it up, it just makes it, you know, it just makes it look worse. Just, you know, admit to it and move on. It's like the kid who had his hand in the, in the cookie jar and then swears he didn't do it. You know, it just makes it worse. So, I think that there needs to be more accuracy in reporting and less rah-rah, for lack of a better term. We're talking with John Close, author of the book 1001 NASCAR Facts, and uh, the factoid-based book is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. It's one of those books. uh, Don't take this the wrong way, but I think think maybe people have mentioned it's a great bathroom book. (laughs) You can kind of check in on it for a minute or two and then put it down and come back to it at a later point. But a fantastic book. It covers the whole history of NASCAR. Uh, John, you know, would Race Hub Hub even would have been better if they would have addressed the situation and said, okay, and maybe focused on Jim France. Okay, well, Jim France is going to be taken over. Let's talk about Jim who's been real active, especially on the road racing side, and always been the quiet one, you know, within that organization, but has a lot of respect from a lot of his peers and the people in the garage area. Would would that would have been a direction that would have been a little bit better for them to go in, possibly, if you With, wanted to kind of... Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt, Steve. I mean, you know, um, the the ignoring of it, I think, was was really really tense i i don't know if you saw that segment larry mcreynolds is a regular on there and and larry's an old school nascar guy and the look on his face i mean you could just tell that the events of the previous day had really wounded him personally um you know a lot of us who who worked in the sport when it was you know vertical growth curve you know 80s 90s early 2000s a lot of us who are are now either retired or peripheral, um, you know, we we invested a lot in that, and um, you know, to see it kind of self destruct like that is is difficult um, at times. You know, I, uh, so uh, yes, absolutely. I think it would have been better 
uh, would have taken the edge off of, you know, hey, the lead story, you know, Chase Elliott won yesterday and it was a great race. And, but, uh, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. But the lead story is, you know, NASCAR CEO Brian France was arrested. And, uh, you know, this is what happened. He took a, you know, he made a statement. He's going to take a leave of absence in, in his uh, place will be Jim France. And, and like you said, Jim is a, a, a really interesting fella. Um, he, he's not as well known because he blazed his own trail. You know, the family business was always stock car racing and he was more of a sporty car guy. And, and he's really growing that part of the business. Uh, and, and that's a, a whole side of, of their holdings that a lot of people don't know about. And he's a straight up guy. Um, uh, obviously he stopped gap until they can do something else. Um, I find it really difficult to believe that Brian will come back. Um, perhaps he will. Um, but uh, you know, regardless, I think that, um, Jim France is a good step right now, but I think that they need some new direction and some new ideas. Maybe, maybe whoever buys it will bring that in. Um, or maybe they go outside the company, but um, um, yeah, I, I just think it's person. You know, from a personal standpoint, um, the PR school that I eventually went to was, you know, meet it head on and get it out there and get it fixed and move on as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. You don't bury it and let it fester. And that was really the genesis of my comments on Monday. I was. I was really surprised that an organization that is as PR savvy as NASCAR is, um, you know, that they had media outlets that obviously are within their purview um, present it that way, because I think that it just lends itself to more speculation and more distrust. John, you uh, came out, I think it was last year, with the 1001 NASCAR Facts, Cars, Tracks, Milestones, and Personalities, a fantastic uh, book. And then also previous to that, you had that Craftsman uh, truck series. It was a Desert Dust to Super Speedways about 10 years ago. That's also a fantastic book. I want to touch real quickly on the truck series because you were so embedded, uh, especially in, at, at the beginning of that series. Would the truck series be a little bit better, uh, more successful if they kind of took a s- step back and started to go to some of these tracks that they used to, like, you know, initially like a – Mansfield, uh, Flemington's gone, but they went to Flemington, New Jersey. Then they would do that West Coast swing and hit some of the smaller tracks up on the on the West Coast, you know, in the Washington area. And that would is would would that be would that be a better place for the truck series at this point? Well, you know, there's multiple opinions about that. I I was never really a big fan of them taking it to the super speedways. Um, you know, they let the horse out of the barn when they went to Texas and started running trucks at 180 miles an hour and two years into the deal in 1997. And they never looked back on that. Um, it's, it's almost impossible for them to go back to a lot of the short tracks. Now, Uh, a good example is, you know, Greg McCarns at Madison to have a, a, a race there right off the hip, right out of the box. He'd have to invest over a million dollars in that speedway to have uh, soft walls and some of the other safety requirements that, you know, are necessary. And, and, and um, you know, we, we don't want to start making concessions to take places to or, or, or races to places that, you know, 
uh, aren't safe. Now, I'm not suggesting that Madison isn't, right. but we've, we've just up we've we've upgraded the safety at all these places. So, um, you know, it's just not financially feasible for the short tracks to host these things because you can have Chamber of Commerce weather and add, you know, twenty thousand extra bleachers and have a sellout, and and you're still going to lose money, and and you know you're just not in the business of doing that. Um, my, you know, and this is probably going to be heresy, but honestly, if, if I was Pope of NASCAR for a day, um, the, the deal that I would do is I would get rid of the Xfinity series and I'd enhance the trucks. Okay. Uh, because there's too much similarity between the Xfinity series and cup. Uh, it's just evolved into another Me Too race on Saturday. Uh, there's there's really not any marketing benefit to it, um, as I see it. Now, conversely, uh, the same things that made trucks popular as a series in 1994 exist now. It's still they're still the number one selling vehicle. There's all kinds of marketability to it. They're certainly different enough from the Cup deal that you can, uh, you know, do that. Since you can't go back to the old way on the short tracks, you have to find a way to enhance it uh, as it is now on the bigger tracks. And, uh, you know, they they put hardly any marketing money toward it anymore. Everything is geared toward Cup uh, and Xfinity. Um, So, you know, that's my two cents. If I was Pope for a day, that's what I would do with the trucks. I mean, I'd I'd put a full-bore marketing deal against it. I'd make those guys just as big a stars as I could in the truck or is in Cup. Um, and I'd stop trying to fool everybody that uh, the Xfinity Series is something really important when you have 35 whatever races a year it is and 28 of them are won by Cup regulars. I mean, that's that's really just kind of a sham. Yeah. Well, a very interesting uh, point. In no, 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 no. And, you know, it's interesting because we didn't even talk about the K&N series, the Modifieds, and, and, and the other series that NASCAR is also involved in. And they're they're even getting less of the crumbs, you know, from from, from the big table. Yeah. So very good points. Well, the We're, Modifieds, yeah, the go ahead. are always going to be there. And K&N, it'll be interesting to see how that gets advanced now that NASCAR has has purchased ARCA. So that's yeah, and you know, there's plus, a lot yep, on the yep. table there. There's a lot of opportunity. There certainly is. John, we always appreciate you taking time out and uh, visiting the show and look forward to doing it uh, at least one more time before the season's over. Heck yeah. I love it. All right. Thank you. It's John Close. Make sure to check out his book, 1001 NASCAR Facts, Cars, Tracks, Milestones, and Personalities, available on Amazon. Still has a prime product too, John. So very good. All right, and when we return, we'll be hearing from Laurie Monroe and getting the latest in NASCAR. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. one lap down for the week of August the 6th. I'm Lori Monroe and here's what's making news. NASCAR CEO and Chairman Brian France has taken an indefinite leave of absence following his arrest last Sunday night after being stopped by police on Long Island, New York. 
France faces charges of aggravated driving while intoxicated and criminal possession of a controlled substance. Vice Chairman and Executive Vice President Jim France has assumed the role of Interim Chairman and Chief Executive Officer. Brian France released a statement following his arrest apologizing to fans, the industry, and his family, and went on to state that he is taking an indefinite leave of absence to focus on his personal affairs. NASCAR Hall of Famer Bill Elliott announced last week that he'll be back behind the wheel of a race car in the August 25th Xfinity race at Road America. The 62-year-old Elliott will be driving the number 23 car for GMS Racing. Elliott's last race was July of 2012 in the Cup Series race at Daytona, and his last Xfinity race was in October of 2005 at Memphis. The sanctioning body stated that Elliott has passed a physical and has been approved to race. However, he'll have to attend the rookie meeting because he's never competed at a race at Road America. Let's hope we get to hear the Dawsonville Pool Hall siren again this year, but for Dad this time. Ryan Blaney got to experience a unique opportunity last Wednesday at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, getting the rare chance to pilot his number 12 car on public roads during the Speedway's annual Parade of Power. Blaney joined an all-star lineup of drivers including Indy 500 winner Will Power and NHRA drag racing champion Greg Anderson to race the curtain for Charlotte's action-packed fall season of speed with a parade from Z-Max Dragway and down Bruton Smith Boulevard to the Speedway's infield. We all know that weather can be unpredictable, so SMI, Speedway Motorsports Inc., has announced the Speedway Motorsports Weather Guarantee. So if you have a ticket to a NASCAR race that's postponed due to weather and you can't attend on the rescheduled date, a ticket credit will be issued towards a qualifying NASCAR race at any SMI venue. And that means Atlanta, Bristol, Charlotte, Kentucky, you get it, an SMI track. Fans with an unused eligible ticket will have 60 days from the original race date to submit a request and then use that credit within one calendar year. This week, Ford revealed its all-new Mustang NASCAR Cup race car, the first time Mustang, the world's best-selling sports car, will compete in NASCAR's top-level cup racing series. How about that? The NASCAR Pinty Series heads to Circuit Trois-Rivières this Sunday for the series' eighth race of the season, Le 50 Tour Canem. Last year's winner was Alex Tagliani, and they get to take the red flag just after 2 p.m. Eastern. The race length is 50 laps or 75 miles. The NASCAR K&N Pro Series West is back in action for the first time in two weeks on Saturday as they head to the Northwest for a stop at Evergreen Speedway in Monroe, Washington for the Napa Auto Parts 175 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. Six races remain before they crown their champion with Ryan Partridge and Derek Thorne tied for the lead in the championship point standings. And birthdays this week, happy birthday goes out to Jeb Burton, Blake Cook, Brett Moffat, Parker Kligerman, Jack Sprague, and Glenn Jarrett. And if you're celebrating a birth this week, I hope it's a great one. The Xfinity Series heads to Mid-Ohio Saturday for the Rock and Roll Tequila 170. Green flag will take place about 3 p.m. Eastern. Both the Truck and the Cup Series are at Michigan International this weekend. The Trucks will race on Saturday in the Corrigan Oil 200. Green flag flies at 1.15 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday, the Consumers Energy 400 Cup Series race will take the green flag at approximately 2.48 p.m. Eastern. Your racing weather this week is courtesy of raceweather.net. The Xfinity race at Mid-Ohio could see some thunderstorms on Saturday and will have a high of 82 degrees. 
Saturday's truck race at Michigan will be partly sunny and a high of 83 with a chance of showers and storms increasing throughout the afternoon. And the cup race at Michigan on Sunday will see mostly sunny skies with a high of 81 degrees. Just about a perfect day. In social media madness, the rumor mill via Adam Stern on Twitter. An insider source says JTG Doherty Racing is apparently evaluating its options as it relates to possible driver and team changes for 2019. Potential drivers mentioned include Ryan Priest and Daniel Hemrick. And on Instagram, Ashley Bush had some pictures of her husband Kurt's incredible Great Gatsby theme 40th birthday party. It was quite an elaborate shindig. And via Twitter, Kevin Hamlin, the spotter for the 88 Cup car, tweeted, I just ate three sloppy joes and about 47 tater tots. I'm a grown-ass man. I can do what I want. And Sterling Marlin is on Twitter. And if you're not following him yet, do it now at SMR underscore 114. You'll get some gems like up with the yard strutters this morning. And you can't make a broom if you ain't got no straw. It also covers a lot of his pro late model team information. And Dale Jr. tweeted, First time hosting NASCAR America tonight. The prompter went out right at the end, so I just said bye. Live TV is always interesting. That's this week's edition of One Lap Down with Laurie Monroe. Enjoy all the racing this weekend. Whatever racing you enjoy the most. Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and a David Hobbs Honda. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is from Knoxville, Iowa, Sprint Car Historian Jim Harris. Welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you. Appreciate you having a, having you on. We had you on last year and got, got us up to date on everything that's going on in Knoxville. Uh-huh. Of course, this is the big, the big Knoxville Nationals, the biggest sprint car event of the year. It goes on pretty much all week long, and you've had the... The, the, I mean, it's pretty incredible. You've been to every single Knoxville Nationals since 1961, with the exception of two, when you were yes, serving sir. your country. Very good. Yes, sir. Any anything that kind of sticks out? If we go back in the wayback machine, uh, you know, some of the old drivers uh, in that. Is there, there when when somebody goes, yeah, Knoxville Nationals? Uh, is there one event or one win that really stands out more than the others? Uh, probably not, but uh, the Doug Wolfgang era. Uh-huh. so many nights he seemed to start in the feature coming out of the B or something like that and could always work his way to the front and even won from there. Uh, he was one of my favorites at that particular era. So uh, that, that that's always been a highlight for me. And, of course, uh, you know, everything's going on right now. And I think it was, was a Thursday night. We had uh, Brad Sweet and Chad Kemenow was were the big winners. Uh, and t- tell us how this sets up for tonight with the winners and the lineups and how that works out. Well, we got uh, Brad Sweet and Chad Kemenow, uh in the front row, and probably Chad's uh, kind of a surprise, but he's a very stellar uh, driver all the time, pretty consistent. And uh, so he, there was a front row. 
second row is uh, Kyle Larson and Donnie Schatz. Uh, they, they were really the show on the uh, first night on Wednesday. Uh, Kyle was the first car out to qualify. Uh, Don, or excuse me, Donnie was the first car out to qualify, and Kyle was the last car out to qualify. Uh, Donnie had to come through the B feature, uh, and then was able to get in with a fifth-place finish in the A. So uh, that's what's transpired the first night. And the third row is uh, Aaron Reitzel and uh, Kerry Madsen uh, are running in the third row. Uh, first night was won by Greg Hodnett, followed by another Pennsylvania veteran and former winner of the Nationals, Tim Schaefer. Uh, they did put on a fine show on that night. Uh, second night with Brad Sweet, he was gone. He just totally dominated uh, the whole field. First car out for times, made that stand up the whole night, and he he, did, he came from sixth to first on the opening, actually straightaway almost, and uh, he, he was not challenged at all. So that's what's happened the first two nights. And you you, you mentioned uh, um, Larson and in that, but are there any other drivers like non um, not you know that follow the series weekly that 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 you think uh, we should watch out or have a ability to make the A main? Yeah, there's a few. Uh, there was a couple local guys, uh, the uh, kid named Matt Jewell out of South Dakota, who's only been running 410s for, uh, I don't know, a couple of years, maybe three. And uh, he's, he made it in last night on the, uh, on the non-qualifiers night, uh, which is, I think is a real coup for him to uh, to be in the feature. And then uh, Gio Selvi out of a uh, 16-year-old out of California uh, is going to start in the uh, let's see the fifth the fifth row pole in the fifth row uh, he's been impressive all weekend and so is Carson Macedo who really cleaned up in the 360s mm-hmm. uh, driving a car that he's never driven before driving the Jason Johnson car those guys have really been impressive uh, coming here first time and and doing a good job and uh, this is a huge crowd I mean the, Knoxville is a pretty small sleeping city most uh most of the year until this week and how, how are the crowds out there and what are some of the things you've seen so far this week well the crowds have uh, built of course it builds from uh you know the first night and then the second night was tremendous tremendously better crowd and then last night was very large and last night's uh, turning into a uh non-qualifier they call it but it could be the best racing of the whole week you had 65 cars last night uh, they get one lap of time trials. They break it into two groups. And uh, Logan Shootcart was qualifier, top qualifier in one of them. Brian Brown was uh, top qualifier in the other one. The crowds have really been good. Uh, the thing that most fans like is in the main grandstand, they widen the seats out for uh, give, give us a few more inches to set. And it's <laughs> the most comfortable. It's the most comfortable that grandstand has ever set. So, Excellent. Uh, we're, we're, they gave up about 3,000 seats to do that but uh fans are very happy about that and uh can anybody beat donnie shots this year donnie shots is a on a you know it for for many years they were saying well will will he ever win a knoxville nationals he won that first one and he's been pretty much unstoppable with a couple of exceptions yeah he's got 10 you know he's got 10 of them uh two behind steve who's got uh steve kinzer who's got 12 and uh can he be stopped uh, right now Based on what's happened the first couple of nights, I think this is the best chance for somebody to do it. Uh, I would 
say if I was picking one or two, uh, Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson are right there. They're both been real fast. Uh, Larson last year had to come from pretty far back and then got up there at the end. Uh, he seems to be the main goal of his to want to win this thing. But uh, those two guys, they've won stuff, the features this week. They won it. Oscar, Kyle won at Oskaloosa on Monday night. Brad won the Capitani on Sunday. Uh, like I said, he won last night, and he wasn't even touched last night. So if, was, if somebody can stop Donnie, uh, one of those two guys, in my opinion, would be the, the two that could do that. But, it, you know, he just he shows up every time, and the car gets better, and, and 50 laps is, is – things can change during that mm-hmm. 50 laps. So – but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, if I, I last year I said Donnie would win, uh, I'm, I'm saying either Sweet or Larson are going to win this year. So oh. um, that's my picks. All right, very good. And then um, this is it, it's kind of a pilgrimage in the Knoxville Nationals, and plus with the Sprint Car Hall of Fame there, and then the Brian Clawson Tower they just completed this year. And and there's always a lot of visitors, and if you follow the uh, Knoxville Raceway, not only that, but also the Sprint Car Hall of Fame, their, their social media accounts, you see a lot of visitors coming in. Who are, who are some of the guys you've seen from days gone by who have uh, stopped by the museum or stopped by the track so far this week? Well, um, I really haven't been much at the museum this week. I, uh, my arrangements for staying has changed the last couple of years and I commute from Des Moines down. So oh, okay. uh, uh, that's, uh, I get I got to get back to staying at Knoxville. You're <laughs> right. That, 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 that's where the, the hub of the thing really is. But, uh, as far as around the grounds, you know, it's just, I just run into friends or people I see, uh, uh-huh. for many years and, and, and so on. So, uh, it, as you said, it's a, uh, it's a homecoming. Uh, it's, it's a great deal. Like I said, I've been doing this thing 56 out of 58, and uh, every one of them is one of my favorite things. So, Well, I tell you what, if, if Larson or Brad Sweet would win, it would be certainly a popular win for if either one of them wins, and I, I'm certainly right. uh, seconding that, that, that for the for tonight's race. And uh, once again, Jim, uh, Jim Harris, Sprint Car Historian, thank you for checking in from the Knoxville Nationals, and look forward to a good race tonight. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right, that races and just a neat guy and very knowledgeable. I always enjoy having him on the final inspection show. When we come back after the sports flash at the top of the hour, we'll be talking with Robbie Gordon, former NASCAR and IndyCar driver and now leader and creator of the Stadium Super Truck Series. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.